Welcome to the podcast where you get your news and views of the sports world that we live in. And now here's your podcaster, Lige Weichers. Welcome to the Lige Weichers Show. I can only think of one question I've got left. What are the excuses now? That's right. Michigan defeated Ohio State last week. We talked about how big this game was, how important this game was, and all the excuses that were starting to be built up. Ohio State, the Big Ten, the NCAA, they had set this up all perfectly to finally end Michigan. This was going to be the end of the road. Jim Harbaugh was going to leave after this game. Michigan was going to be struggling to recruit. New coaches might be on the way. This was the end of Michigan as we know it if Ohio State could go into Ann Arbor and defeat the Michigan Wolverines. What do you know? The game starts, and I'm feeling nervous. I'm a little worried that just Michigan is straight up not as good of a team as Ohio State. We know Michigan's schedule hasn't been the greatest, and they haven't necessarily looked great against the tougher competition, so I was just worried that there may just be a talent mismatch, and there wasn't going to be much they could do about it. But what do you know? As the game rolls along, it becomes pretty clear that these are both pretty evenly matched teams. In my mind, Michigan is a little bit better, but the game's going to be close. It's going to be come down to making plays, defense, making stops, offense, scoring. And then Will Johnson gets a big pick early in the game off Marvin Harrison Jr. And, oh, okay, the Michigan offense starts to roll a little bit more. They start to run the ball kind of effectively. McCarthy makes some good plays. And Michigan, they get up early. Blake Corum scores a touchdown. J.J. McCarthy throws an absolute dime of a touchdown now. Some people are saying on that throw, if you watch the game, you know that he did throw it right at a safety, but the safety was looking the other way. So a little bit lucky, but also a dime to be able to throw that ball. And Michigan, they're they're up late. Now I think to myself, I was prepared for Michigan just to not be as good. But an Ohio State comeback, I wasn't ready for this. I needed a stop when it mattered most. I needed Michigan to beat Ohio State. There was so much. This was legacy. This was Everything Michigan is built on to stay intact for at least a couple more weeks and to not become the laughing stock of the NCAA. And what do you know? Here comes Rod Moore. Interception. Game over. Thank you, Kyle McCord, for the interception for the ball game. For Michigan continuing to dominate Ohio State. Crying Ryan Day can go back to, I don't know where he lives, but he can go back there because he can't beat Michigan. Must be a sad reality. The only game you actually care about and you can't even win constantly having to try to make the college football playoff well, by saying, oh, well, we had a pretty good schedule and we beat everyone outside of Michigan. Couldn't it be me? All I'll say is, Ryan Day, I don't like that guy. That guy is the epitome of Ohio State. He's a loser. He's a crier. He makes excuses. He's no good. He's not good at football. He can't scheme. I just don't like him. And for good reason. He's trying to fake hype up his team, trying to be cool. Admit it, Ryan. You're not cool. You're a loser. You lose to Michigan every single year, and it's not going to change. So you might as well go somewhere else, maybe to the Big 12. I don't know where you should go, but you should leave Ohio State because you stink. Now that Michigan has cleared the biggest hurdle, the game on their schedule, they move on to the Big Ten Championship. Always a nice game to be able to go and play Iowa, see the team that everyone's been clamoring to see all year, setting records for the lowest over-unders in history. Yes, we know the Big Ten Championship game is always kind of a joke, but hey, that's going to go away with divisions next year. But as long as they're around, it's always fun to play a pretty much a layup Big Ten Championship. 
but they're a bigger fish to fry. Two years in a row, Michigan has been in this position. They've won the Big Ten Championship, and they lose a playoff game. This year, I think they can win a playoff game. Yes, I know. But there are a couple interesting things to keep an eye on. The first is that, well, Georgia shouldn't be ranked number one, but they're ranked above Michigan, but they have a big game against Alabama. I think Georgia wins, and they're going to keep the number one seed. It will be an interesting scenario if Alabama manages to win, but we're going to go with what I think will happen. Georgia's going to win. Michigan will win. They'll be two. So now it leaves you three and four. The Florida State situation is interesting. Losing Jordan Travis, their quarterback, and now being undefeated going to the ACC championship game, how much should the committee factor in that they lost their quarterback first? I mean, if they're an undefeated P5 champion, I don't think they're not going to let them in. But they play Louisville. I think Florida State might lose to Louisville, so kick Florida State out. Then we look to the Pac-12, a big rematch, Washington-Oregon. Washington won the first game and undefeated, but man, Oregon's been looking kind of dominant lately. Bo Nix has been playing well, and I can't say the same for Penix and Washington. Oregon's a pretty big favorite in this game, and of course Washington's in if they win, but I also think Oregon's in if they win. With that being said, Oregon wins, they're in. I put them at the number three seed. Now here's the interesting number four seed. You've got Texas, assuming they win Big 12 champions. Then you've got one loss, Ohio State. Personally, I would take, and I'm hoping for, Texas to be in. Unfortunately, I don't think they make it in if Florida State does manage to beat Louisville. And then I think we're trending towards a Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, Oregon Final Four. But I'm hoping that Texas can get rid of Florida State. I don't really want to see them, even if it makes for an easier first game for Michigan. I don't want to see Florida State without Jordan Travis in the playoff. I would rather Michigan run through Oregon or Texas and then Georgia in the championship. Those games are interesting to keep an eye on. We'll talk more about the college football playoff going forward, but just know that it's all systems go for Michigan and there are big plans in the future. Now, before we got to the big game on Saturday, man, I was a little bit worried. I sat down for a beautiful Thanksgiving and man, the Lions tried to ruin Thanksgiving. Now, they couldn't ruin it because they've been trying to ruin it every day for the last 50 years. I wasn't fully confident, but I did really think they would beat the Packers and man, Jordan Love looks so good, and the worst part about it is now I have to hear Packer fans talk about how good Jordan Love is and say, oh, sorry, looks like it was the old Lions, and man, it was a frustrating game. The defense didn't look great. They do this weird thing where they look like they never get a stop, and then you look back at the end of the game, and you can convince yourself they didn't play as bad as it looks like they did. The offense was probably their worst game of the year. Dan Campbell was making not great decisions. But I'll be honest, I was glad to finally see a coach be too aggressive to say, well, maybe I should have dialed back the aggressiveness. As long as that doesn't stop you from being aggressive in the future, I think it's great. How many times are coaches too conservative? Literally every week in the NFL, coaches are too conservative. It's nice to finally see one being too aggressive. I don't necessarily blame Dan Campbell for being bad. I think he was bad. I think the offense was bad, the defense was bad, and the special teams was bad. It was all bad, and that's how the Packers won. Lions were still kind of in it at the end, but you don't love to lose to a division rival at home on Thanksgiving, but there are divisional games, and to me, this game this week will really tell the story. They go to New Orleans and play the Saints, and this will really be an interesting game. Coming off back-to-back weeks of not looking great against division rivals in the Bears and the Packers, now they get the Saints, a team they really should beat. This will tell me a lot about the team. If there's a, a big winning effort, a big dominant win, 
you'll say, okay, this team is, they are legit. They can play some bad games and kind of be in some close ones, but at their peak, they are really good. They truly can beat anyone. That's what I'm hoping to see this week. I need to continue to see some growth from the defense, and I want the offense to kind of get back to to their old ways. It was odd to see them struggle against the Packers, who don't have a great defense, but man, the big difference in that game was Jared Goff was under so much pressure, and the Lions literally couldn't touch Jordan Love. It was like he was playing 7-on-7. The Lions offensive line needs to play better. Jonah Jackson, left guard, did return to practice, so that is something to keep an eye on. There was kind of a, a rotating team at left guard. Sorcel got the start, and then Awashika came in in the second half. It'll just be something to keep an eye on. One other unfortunate injury. Doesn't look like Alex Anzalone, linebacker, will play for the Lions. He wears the green dot, and I'm guessing it'll be more Derek Barnes, Jack Campbell, and some of Malcolm Rodriguez. Other than that, the Lions are really healthy. That's something that we haven't seen in a while. Anzalone is a big loss, but if Jackson can come back, I think this team could be in good shape, and I'm expecting a solid win against the Saints. So going into Sunday, I was 1-1 one one teams I was cheering for, and the Colts were playing the Bucks. I came on this show last week, and I didn't throw my support behind the Colts. I, I said, ah, they're probably going to lose a close one and the under. And by the time it got to game time, man, I would wished I wouldn't say these things. I was kind of thinking the over was a better look, and the Colts really did have a chance. I mean, Gardner Minshew just needed not to give the game away, and what were the Bucks going to do? So after a while, Baker Mayfield gets a little bit banged up. All of a sudden, he's limping around on a bad ankle, and Gardner Minshew, wow, he's not looking so bad. Even the broadcast said, wow, look, he's not even turning over the ball, and then boom, interception. Well, Time to survive. And what did the Colts do? They survived. They were able to run the ball well. The defense got a lot of pressure on Baker Mayfield. That was probably the most impressive part about the game was how much pressure they got. And it was kind of a rough game. The Bucks tried to come back, but the Colts held them off. And I was, I said, wow, this team could, could make a playoff run. Not a run in the playoffs, a run to the playoffs. The AFC at the bottom end ain't as strong as I was thinking it would be. And their schedule, it's not that tough. One game that will tell us a lot is they're going to Tennessee, the hated rival, the Tennessee Titans, coming off a win against the Panthers. One thing I don't think people see a lot is that the Titans are pretty bad. I think the Colts are going to win. This is a game that they should win. I think they will win. I don't think the Titans are very good. Derrick Henry, yeah, he scored two touchdowns last week, but he didn't play very well. He's he's getting old. I mean, not that I'm surprised, but Henry's not who he used to be. Will Levis has not been playing well. It will be interesting to see him against some young corners, but they've been playing well, and the pressure, I think, is going to get to Levis. It's going to continue to come down to the offense. Now, there is some news I guess I should talk about. Jonathan Taylor, injured wrist slash hand. I'm not exactly sure, but he's going to be out. Good news. you got Zach Moss, who's about 90% of Jonathan Taylor ready to go. you still got Minshew and Pittman and Downs. Man, they both look really good. He only throws to them, so it's glad they look good, but... I think that they'll be okay. They'll still be able to run the ball with Zach Moss. Pittman should be in for another big game, and I think the Colts can squeeze it out. Unfortunately, Elijah's lock last week was the under in the Colts game, and that loss moving us to 6-5. and five. So trying to stay above 500 here, I'm going to the Lions-Saints game. The Lions, as we know, have a terrible defense. And the Saints, they while they haven't looked great, they haven't moved the ball, and they just kick a lot of field goals. For that reason, I'm taking the over 47. Lions on the road, but in a dome, not in the cold weather. I think their offense can get it going in the defense. I mean, for my sake, I hope it, they lock them down, but I don't really see that happening. I think the Saints will be able to score some points. 
We'll check on the injuries. Michael Thomas already out, and then potentially Olave and Shahid not playing as well. Would be a blow to the Saints, but hey, they have Taysom Hill. They'll be able to score some points. Give me the over 47 for Elijah's lock. That's all I got for this week's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Follow us on Instagram at The Lige Waitress Show. Leave a rating and a review. Five stars on Apple Podcasts, and we'll talk next week.